Well, please turn with me to Exodus and chapter 3. There, there isn't much room these days uh, for God in popular discussions. And, and that's one reason why the opening words of the Bible are just so shocking. In the beginning, God. You see, God simply is. And this is such a contrast to a modern world that has decided that God isn't worth a mention. Then the more you read the Bible, the more a picture emerges. A picture of the God who is and what he's like. Grasping and describing that picture has fueled the imaginations and the pens of theologians and hymn writers for centuries. Today in these short briefing notes on the most vast of subjects, let me invite you to consider who God is and how you might encounter him and also how you might respond to him. We're reading from Exodus, a book that records an astonishing historical journey from slavery to freedom, and at the same time describes and introduces us to the God who rescues. Now, apart from the God who saves his people, uh, Moses is really center stage here. In chapter three that we've just read, Moses has, has an encounter with God. And we're going to follow four movements in this account, four movements that may help us to encounter God too. Well, firstly, we're going to see here, here is a man curious about a strange sight. Moses was one of the people of Israel living in Egypt, and that is where the Israelites were, were slaves. Moses was the one you might remember who was the baby hidden in the basket among the reeds, Exodus 2. Moses had been rescued and brought up as Pharaoh's daughter. And by the events of Exodus 3, Moses is working as a shepherd. He had fled Egypt, having murdered someone and gone on the run. Moses was a man with a shady past. But something strange took his life on another trajectory. Um, have a look at the start of chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. We're not sure why, but Moses takes his flock beyond the usual pastures to a different area, to Horeb, an area that the writer calls the mountain of God. We'll see why, because look what happens, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Finding himself in a strange area, Moses sees an even stranger sight, an angel of the Lord and a burning bush that was not actually being burnt up. And when he looks, verse 2, and sees all this happening, what does he do? Verse 3, and Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. So, so Moses is investigating, I will turn aside. In other words, I'll go over there. I'll go and see this great or better, this strange sight. Moses is on a quest to find out why. Well, what's taking place here? Well, it's, it's really a miracle. And, and this curious shepherd is struck 
by an extraordinary sight of what's definitely a fire, but one that's unaccompanied by the usual burning up. Now this is something that's only possible if something or someone could control that fire and make it unable to do the kind of destruction that fire does. So for us reading, as well as for Moses here at the time, this is an alert. An alert. Moses is about to encounter the one who can command natural phenomena, the God who reigns over all creation. Now, you might have noticed the crest of the school where we usually meet, St. Andrew's College. Here it is on the screen. It's a burning bush and with their motto in Latin, Ardens sed virens, burning but not consumed. Now, for me, every time I, I see this crest, it's a reminder about church. You see, every time we meet together, there's an opportunity, hearing from God's word, to encounter the God who revealed himself to Moses, the God who speaks and reveals himself through his word here in our hands. And then finally, and most definitively, the God who introduced us to himself in the Lord Jesus Christ. To all who are curious, the local church, as it proclaims the message of the Bible, is a good place to come to. It's a place where you can hear more and experience the unfolding encounter with God, the God who is there, the God who in Exodus 3 reveals himself as the one who's in absolute command of the fires, burning but not consumed. Well, as happens again and again in the Bible, these miracles, these amazing occurrences are not just to be gazed at by us, but instead they invite us. They invite us to give special attention to the message that's going to come alongside now. Now the Lord saw Moses's curiosity and Moses is coming closer. The second movement in this account sees a man humbled and afraid. Verses four to six. Have a look from verse four. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. In this stunning encounter, Moses in his curiosity is suddenly reminded of God's holiness. God is separate. God isn't like men or women. God is not ordinary. And so standing in his presence, investigators like Moses or us were instructed, take your sandals off. Here in the presence of God is holy ground. Now we presume Moses takes his shoes off. Look at verse six. And he said, this is God speaking. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. As, as God begins to speak, he tells Moses what he's already started to see in this burning bush. God says, I am the God of your father, of Abraham, of Isaac and of Jacob, reminding Moses of his past, uh, God's past covenant with Abraham and that line that has come all the way down now to Moses' own father. And now Moses knows who this encounter is with. The voice that has called him by name, Moses, Moses, has identified himself 
as God. Suddenly, Moses' curiosity turns into verse 6 to fear. Moses hides his face. He's afraid to look at God, having seen so much already. Now, we can see the movement so far. Moses' confident curiosity is humbled as he removes his shoes. And then he covers his face, afraid to look at God. I think you'll find that one of the obstacles to learning more about God may just be our over-familiarity with him. Perhaps you and I have become too confident in our curiosity. There's something in Moses' checked approach that might help if until now you've only ever considered God a subject or an object for investigation. Ask yourself, could a new posture on your part make all the difference? God is not like us. He is holy. He's not ordinary. And so in the third movement here, God speaks and reveals himself as the saviour of his people. Look at verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, um, the Hivitites and the Jebusites. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob is revealing himself now as the God who sees, who hears, who knows, verse 7. And, and then look what he declares, verse 8. I have come down to deliver, to rescue his people. God is revealing himself as the God who plans to save his people. God will deliver them. He'll take them out of the land of slavery in Egypt to a land flowing with milk and honey. But, but he doesn't stop here, and neither should we. In the verses that follow, God tells Moses that he will send him, verse 10. And we know that Moses wonders about that. And in fact, eventually, he protests about his inadequacy for, for this task that God has set him. Uh, a total of five times here in this episode. God speaks again in verse 12. Have a look. God said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. It's so easy to miss the aim of this deliverance, this saving. But look closely at verse 12. The whole aim is that they shall serve, worship God. Salvation is not just provided by God, but ultimately it leads towards people gathering in worship of him, gathering to worship, to serve the living God. That's the destination. And so we've seen that God reveals himself in this encounter. God speaks and he reveals his plan to save. And he also reveals himself as the destination. Now, if I'm a Christian, then God is not just the provider of my salvation. He's not just the provider of all the flowing blessings to be enjoyed. God himself is the destination. Growing as a Christian will involve me seeing the depth 
of God's love and commitment to me. And seeing how this unfolds as he reveals himself in the Bible, how this love and commitment was ultimately demonstrated by the giving of his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. Now, if you are not a Christian, you're watching this amazing encounter between Moses and God, the God who saves his people. The question is, how will you respond to him? Will you listen to him? And will you pay particular attention, not just to our own ideas and conceptions of who God is, but to the way God chose to reveal himself, to God's amazing rescue plan, for God reaching out to his people, eventually expanded and fulfilled in his sending the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pay attention to that? You see, there's an invitation here today, not just to investigate ideas about God or to study him, theology, or even to get involved in church life and Christian things, but the invitation is to accept God's salvation through Christ and then go on to serve him, to worship him. Well, the fourth and final movement here, God speaks and invites us to trust him. Verses 13 and 14. Have a look from verse 13. Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, Moses isn't asking for God's name to report back to the people. He's asking what God's name means in these circumstances they were in. And God's answer is really a declaration of who he is. Look at, look at it again in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, some have said that this answer could be God evading the question or even his reluctance to answer. But, but that's not really what's happening here. In this amazing encounter, God defines himself as the I am. I am. I am truly the one who exists. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. J.I. Packer calls this a declaration of God's self-existence. Here's a reminder to the man standing in front of him and to all of us reading in the Bible that God cannot be labeled. God can't be boxed. He has life in himself and he simply is. I am who I am. Moses had a particular role to play in history, eventually going on to lead God's people from slavery to salvation. Moses needed to hear this declaration of the God who was sending him and who would go with him. Moses and the people, they needed to trust God as they waited on him to bring about their rescue. And so by declaring himself as the I am, God was inviting Moses to trust him. And, and that's a real challenge for us too, hearing this declaration again. Will we trust him? I know that these last few weeks have been very hard and even unsettling. But coming back in these briefing notes to the God of the Bible, we encounter the one who stands above it all, 
the one who's in control of everything. God is the God who saves his people and who deserves our worship. Well, what can those who come closer expect? Well, they can expect to be humbled as they come near. But what an amazing encounter awaits. Why don't you come and trust him? Come and worship. Well, our song now tells us and reminds us to sing that God is the great one. Great is the Lord. Let's sing together.